I want you to sit back and take a real hard look at your life. Sitting around, just doing the bare minimum, watching Tiny Toons and surfing for Ben 10 Hentai on your laptop, while there are people out there like Ambrose Small, theater magnate, millionaire, big time womanizer, just getting all the ladies, and apparently disappearance victim, so maybe just sit around and watch that Ben 10 Hentai some more, buddy. Y'all listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your hosts, Christy and Scott. Welcome to Old Timey Crimey. I can definitely say the name of our podcast. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I know after three weeks. Um, last week I forgot to intro, so <laughs> we both did. We're um, new at this. Let us alone. <laughs> just, just give us some time. There's a learning curve. We're, we're climbing it. So this is Old Timey Crimey. I am Christy. I'm Scott. And so how's your week going? Been kind of crappy, Aww. honestly. It's mm. been... Work sucks. I don't like my job. And it's it's one of those deals where uh, just... Whenever you work with cable television and internet, nobody calls you up going, Hey, that's a fantastic job you're doing. Great work. Let me give you money. <laughs> no, they're always angry. So I've hung up on a few of my customers oh, this week. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm allowed to. I'm allowed oh, okay. to. If you go... If you go Please stop cursing at me, and they continue to curse. You can hang up on them. But I did have one call. This was like my last call of the week, and I loved it. I told this guy, and he was this grizzled guy from like Aiken, South Carolina. I said, <laughs> he goes, what the fuck you mean I'm 50 days past due? I said, sir, you're 50 days past due. I'm going to ask you not to swear at me anymore. So he, I explained the bill to him, and he realizes, oh, I actually do owe this money. And then he proceeds to give me four methods of payment. Each one fails. And by the end of it, he's getting angrier and angrier, but he doesn't want to get disconnected and wait in line for another half an hour on oh my hold. Gosh. <laughs> so he's there looking for a credit card that works going, oh, gee, golly, shoop, da whoop. Actual swear <laughs> that he used. I had to mute my gee, microphone golly. and laugh. Shoop do Right. So just imagine like like a grizzled Samuel L. Jackson being told he can't say motherfucker. He got his shoop de whoop. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> so that's that's the kind of crap I've been doing with. How, how's your week been, bud? It's actually it's been pretty good. It's spring break. So um, I've only had a couple of emails from students, which is fine. They can you can email me whenever you need to. Um, Are you afraid of your students listen. finding this? Yeah, a little bit. I did tell my, my students at the beginning of the semester that I just started podcasting, so you never know. If they find it, they find it. I actually, um, just last weekend, we go out on, on, you know, on the weekends, we go out, we have a date night. Mm -hmm. And it's tradition. It actually started during, like, my worst semester ever when I ended up having two classes, neither of which I taught, that I got one month into the semester because the other, the professor who had been teaching them, um, he had some issues and had to leave. Now I'm assuming the date night's with your husband. It's yes, like, that is with yeah. my husband, not just, you know, random men I pick up downtown. Stud <laughs> students. Yeah, no, no. We oh, do God. live in that society. <laughs> Sorry, students, but no. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, we're out on our date night. We go to our usual hangout. We're sitting at the bar and I get a tap on my shoulder and I turn and this girl's like, hey, you know, I'm really sorry I didn't want to bother you or anything, but I used to be one of your students. And I was like, whoa. 
this is the thing I've been waiting for, the mm -hmm. moment when I'm sitting at the bar, smoking and drinking and swearing, and there's one of my former students. So we sat there and we bonded over like shared love of particular TV shows and like, but it was really cool. Like it was really neat just to be out and have that, that moment finally happen. Cause I'm always kind of paranoid. I was like, any of my students around here, give a quick scan of the bar. Um, and, and then we friended each other on Facebook and it turns out that she worked in Pittsburgh with a friend of mine from high school. <laughs> so it was just this weird like pile up of coincidences and everything. But she did tell me that I was one of only two professors that she had during her time in college that actually like had an influence on her and that she really, really liked. Wow. So that is, that is huge. You, you live for the, that you teach for those moments. Right. Right. Like, honestly, you don't get them very often. Those moments and the light bulb moments when you, when you can actually see it click for a student. I love that. I, I teach drum lessons mm -hmm. and I love that light bulb moment. And I think that's the great thing about being a music teacher where, where you're teaching in private lessons. You get to see that light bulb moment all the time. Mm -hmm. It's it, and it's a great thing. It's a really great thing. Yeah, when I was teaching grammar, I would have um, I was just really, really driven to succeed and to, to help my students succeed. And so I would actually set up tutoring sessions each week, like in the library, one night a week. They just come, they bring their homework, and I just help everybody with their homework. It got to the extent that I had a student bring a student from an, another class that wasn't my class, that was my like director of my department's class, and I was helping with his homework. So, and but you got that that one on one moment, and so I got to see it a lot more. And with with grammar, you see that click a lot more than you do with with technical writing you know like yeah. like i see it a little bit and especially like but it's, it's really you have to be one-on-one -on -one to really see it so i must drive you nuts with my grammar because I, I i have fairly mm. poor grammar my language ain't the best <laughs> so <laughs> it hasn't bothered me so far there is one podcast i listen to that i've been struggling I, I really enjoy it and i'm not going to name any names but i've been struggling with it a little bit because um one of the hosts will have some uh he'll use less when he should use fewer it just drives me up the wall Every time I'm like, I'm still gonna listen to you, but every time I just my my I just cringe. No, call them out, shame them. <laughs> they must they must know the nadir of your pain. No, it's a good podcast <laughs> <laughs> with many more than the three fans that we have so far. But <laughs> you, me, and one of the girls at work that I shared this with. Like, just, she's May was dying to hear this. Oh, really? And, yeah. So I kind of like gave her the MP3. So she got to hear the H.H. H. Holmes episode before anyone else. Oh, nice. Well, my husband's listened to it. We we listened to the podcast together. So we have four fans. Four fans, yeah. yes, including ourselves. Well, yeah. We're popular. We're <laughs> we're the ones that are the most important. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Too bad. Yeah. So sad. It's all about us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. that is why you start a podcast right it really is because just, you're egocentric and you need all the attention the whole game is hey look at me exactly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i'm not gonna lie about it <laughs> no i've always said like i had a, a moment when i was doing a play and in, in, not in high school in college and we the first week the director went around the the cast and was like you know asking the specific answer specific questions and one of them was why do you like to act and my answer was i'm ostensibly a middle child didn't get much attention growing up I like it. <laughs> That's four, why I'm here. <laughs> I'm four of five. Yeah. So I yeah. am. I'm two of of. It really depends on which side of the family we're talking. Two of four, two of five, two of seven, or no, that would be five of seven. Um, Sounds like a Borg thing. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, yeah. That's my family. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I uh, 
Yeah, it is It is a whole bunch of, hey, look at me. But at the same time, this is a really fun way of expressing myself. And it's I, an incredible medium. It really yeah, is. I, yeah. I love, like, I listen to podcasts so much. I, I, I'll just sit there and listen to crime podcasts and cross stitch, or I'll listen to them when I'm at the gym, you know, like... It's just, uh, it's what I do. That's actually how I found our uh, our current episode topic was I was at the gym. I get on the treadmill. I, I put on my podcast. I keep the TV on because it, uh, nobody likes to stare at themselves in the like reflection while they're jogging like, yeah. on the treadmill. That's just unpleasant. I have the same thing whenever I watch porn and the screen goes, <laughs> black, goes black and I see my own face looking, oh, no. Oh, no, you never want the screen to go black. I'm a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I... Uh, and I'll just, I'll flip through the channels to find something, like maybe like an episode of The Office or Parks and Rec or something, or, you know, HGTV. Yeah, what the hell is it? The Office is always playing on the ellipticals at the at the gym. Yeah, yeah. It always is. Yeah. It's 24-7 yeah. The Office. They found the magical channel that is 24-7 The Office that none of us have access to. Planet Fitness, tell us your secrets. Yes. So, so yeah, and I flipped, I, I went to the travel channel, and I don't even know what show it was, um, but it was something about mysteries, and they had... The mystery, mysterious disappearance of this theater magnate, Ambrose Small, uh, from Canada. Canada. The great (laughs) Canadian missing persons mystery. This guy, it seems like he's the Canadian Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, really. And yet at the same time, there's this, the one, um, it was mentioned in a book that I read. Uh, I didn't read the whole book. I just read the the Mm -hmm. part about him. But I want to read the whole book because it sounds interesting. Uh, Death in the Peaceable Kingdom, Canadian History Since 1867 Through Murder, Assassination, and Suicide. It's a long title, Dimitri Anastakis, but we forgive you because it was a good little briefing on it. And, um, yeah, it, it kind of, like, compared it to, like, an E! News, like, true Hollywood story type thing because, like, he and his wife did kind of become, like, a like a star couple mm-hmm. in a way. So, so yeah, he was he had quite the, quite the life and quite the disappearance. Yeah, yeah. little side note. Do you know who the last person to see Jimmy Hoffa alive was? I do not. Who was it? George Norrie, the current host of Coast to Coast AM, the, <laughs> the Art Bell thing. He was he was Hoffa's last interview. Wow. George Norrie interviewed him. Hoffa gets off into a car and disappears forever. Oh my gosh. I had no idea. No, I've yeah. never heard that. There's yeah. so much out there we don't know. You yeah. know, like I keep on coming upon new murders for this when I was worried that we would be, you know, like have, have a, a dearth of information and all of a sudden like I'm watching murder maps because it's spring break and on Monday I watched murder maps and mm-hmm. cross all day because murder maps on Netflix, watch it, but we're going to do some of those. So also listen to us. Well, I think, I think I was, I was really surprised because it was like, okay, we're going to need subjects for this. And I start going into you it. You went to it, town. You sent me a, I like put those in word. I was like, that is a list. Yeah. Yeah. We have... Just with that list, we probably have enough shows, if we keep doing this weekly, probably enough shows for a year. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I keep on adding to it. Like, yeah. I need to add my, my stuff from Murder Maps to it because I kept on coming up on really interesting ones. Yeah. So. Ambrose was not on the list. Yeah. No, he wasn't originally. He was he was an addition just uh, just last week. Just yeah. a sudden, sudden addition. So, so yeah, he um, was born... Ambrose Joseph's, I'm sorry, Peter jo- Ambrose Joseph Small. He was a, a multi-name. Four names, so he couldn't be a serial killer. So, Absolutely. you know, you got you to have only three. Not two, not four, only three. <laughs> so. I, I'm so screwed. <laughs> three names. Same. So Pretty screwed. much all of us are. Yeah. I, I actually think they do that so that, like, like Lee Harvey Oswald, so that all the other Harvey Oswalds can then throw 
No, no, I'm Harvey Harvey Joe Oswald. <laughs> no relation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's that. Maybe that's part of it. Who knows? Maybe it's just be, be, being called by three names all your life that sends you over the edge. <laughs> so he was born in 1866 in Newmarket, Ontario, known as Ambie to his friends. Isn't that quite the fun? Do you have a different birth? 1863. I, I saw a couple different dates, yeah. I kind of just went with the first one I saw because <laughs> it's lazy. Yeah, I, I had 1863. I actually have the Wikipedia page up here. Not that Wikipedia is the... Uh, 1866. Yeah, but a couple other different here. sources I said... saw said oh, I can talk, I swear. A couple other different sources said 1863. I think one said 1864. So it's kind of... Um, uncertain. Yeah. I, yeah, here I have 1863 on this other page I have saved. Mm -hmm. So at age 13, his, his dad actually owned a hotel in Toronto. I guess they moved from Newmarket to Toronto. He went to work at his dad's hotel, the which... The Warden Hotel. The Warden Hotel was one source. Another source I saw said that it was actually like the Grand Something Hotel and was next to the Grand Opera House, which became kind of his white whale, except he, he, he got it. Yeah. Um, wait, did he... Did the fisherman ever get the white whale? I, I never read it, which is a shame because I have a cat named Hemingway. <laughs> no, I think that was actually, uh, wasn't that, uh, oh geez, That's Herman the Melville. Old... Oh, is that Melville? Oh, I'm the a white horrible whale. English literature yeah. major. Horrible it's Moby English Dick. My, Moby Dick, of course, yeah. yeah. I don't know why I was thinking Hemingway. Maybe it's just because it's all about the sports you stuff. down as an F on I get this an semester, F. Christy. <laughs> Damn. So yeah, he started working at his dad's hotel, doing the bar, um, and then he started booking entertainment, which was the beginning of his path. That was that was something. And he's, at this time, just a couple of years, probably by the time he's booking entertainment, he's probably just a couple of years past the age of 13. Yeah, not very old. Not very old at all. Quite an enterprising young lad. Yeah. What would you say? Probably 15, maybe 16? Yeah, it probably, you know, like he just kind of like, I think he just got an idea that it, it was something that should happen or, or saw what was going on in, in bars around town or maybe if if, if the, the hotel was actually situated next to the opera house, like he thought, you know, this will get people in after yeah. the show or before the show. Can you imagine being the act? Like you go in and you just like pour your heart out. You've been practicing and practicing and practicing. And a 14-year-old goes, I don't like it. You're going to have to leave. Go pedal, go pedal your little dog and pony show elsewhere, buddy. Which he might have said knowing <laughs> him. <a> dick. <laughs> he was a straight was. up dick. <laughs> like, Wait. I mean, H.H. Holmes was a dick. And I, I can't believe how, like, as I'm going through this, how many parallels I can draw between him and H.H. Mm -hmm. Holmes. Although the thing is that this guy is, is ostensibly the victim. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is the, the Star he, Trek Mirrorverse H.H. Yeah. Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, he, uh, he kind of became the booking manager. Uh, the com. I'm going to give this exact quote because I enjoyed it. Uh, Arranging for florid and spicy melodramas for the venue. <laughs> if you don't love a florid and spicy yeah. melodrama, then I don't want to know you. Yeah, you need to have florid. And you need <laughs> and to have spicy. <laughs> Damn straight. You can't just do florid because oh, then no, 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 what's no. florid without spicy? And it's what's like, spicy without florid? Exactly. They go together. It's like a cheeseless pizza. What the hell are you doing? That's what a are cracker you doing? with tomato sauce on it. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> Damn it! It just stuns me how much he did. Mm -hmm. and, he was yeah very very successful and his his 
big thing. He did get into like vaudeville and, and brought, brought some moving pictures into, mm-hmm. into the venues. He started getting interests in a bunch of hotels around town. Uh, sorry, not hotels, theaters. I swear I can talk around Toronto. But his big thing was that Grand Opera House. He wanted that. Mm-hmm. He wanted it bad. He, n- no place did it say it. And I kind of scratched it out, but I'm coming back to it. He became obsessed with it. I would say, yeah. Yeah, he made several offers. They were always refused. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I honestly, I think that was probably a big reason for his marriage, you know? Absolutely. I mean, why do you marry the heiress to a brewing fortune who's your stepmother's youngest sister? <laughs> Who belongs to a religious group that you hate. That you despise, yeah. If not for that, you know, sweet, sweet money that you can use to buy sweet, sweet opera houses. Exactly, exactly. I really want this opera house. I guess, I guess the parallel for me would be like, I really want this Transformers collection. <laughs> but there's this racist Nazi that I have to marry to get it. How badly do I want this Transformers collection? Oh, what is my parallel? Oh, gosh. It's Frogs just... in weird poses. <laughs> no, I do, that. I do that for money. I don't need it. No, I guess, honestly, I hate saying this because... But I'm, I don't care about stereotypes. It's it's jewelry and makeup. It really is. These are the things I like: jewelry, makeup, and clothes. <laughs> See, I want to hit you for travel. Travel, yeah. Oh, actually, yeah. Okay, thank you for knowing more about me than I do myself. That's travel, okay. yeah, yeah. I do love travel. Although it does, it's travel is a double-edged sword because it does make me very anxious. Like I'm already. Oh, you're that way too. Oh, I'm I'm horribly anxious. Oh, I have to get all Xanaxed up before I can fly. Yeah. It's it's not it's not the travel for me. It's actually. And I, I think this is part of my part of my situation. Whenever I was younger, I didn't mind traveling. I actually drove mm-hmm. uh, from Minneapolis to Pennsylvania. Wow! By myself, mm-hmm. didn't mind it one little bit. Almost got killed outside of Indiana in in a car accident. The van itself broke down and had to be replaced in Ohio. The rental van I was in didn't stress out about it one bit. Because I had family. All my family's dead. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's a thing where the other day I decided to go to Blairsville. I'd never been to Blairsville before. And I freaked out because I'm like thinking, what if my car breaks down? Who would it? Oh, yeah. yeah. So I think for me, it's it's not having that safety net. Mm-hmm. So every every move I make, because I don't have any family, I don't have a wife, I don't have children, I don't have living relatives... Every move I make has to be extremely calculated mm-hmm. because if I make a misstep and fuck up, I am seriously fucked up. Yeah, I can see where that would cause you a lot of anxiety. For me, it's just the worst case scenario that always is playing through my head. And um, and then like like you, it didn't used to be like that for me when I was younger. Mm-hmm. My my uncle, he was a, a pilot and he had a little like four seater Cessna that he took us up in once, and he did the roller coaster where we went straight up and then we went straight down. And my poor mother on the ground probably got like a billion new gray hairs. <laughs> that was when she started going gray, most likely at that exact moment when three of her children were in the air. <laughs> three of her four children were in at the time were in the air with her brother-in-law and she was like oh god he's gonna kill me at least they're not with AK Holmes <laughs> yeah. that and uh my uh this will be not as timely I hope when this comes out but our flight to Paris was supposed to be on a 737 <gasps> max 8 no yeah I know right saw that and I was like oh well oh shit but they're grounded now so that's at least something we'll oh see what happens but god. 
Yeah, yeah, mm, fun stuff. But anyhow, <laughs> moving on from travel anxiety. I'm a little uh, freaked out right now. <laughs> Honestly, same, still. Yeah. <laughs> um, Small was a notorious womanizer. He loved the ladies. And he wasn't that tall. No, like, well, his name was Small. Yeah. So he couldn't be which, that tall. Which happened. Not at all. I honestly had to think. Nice Susicle, <laughs> by the welcome. way. I was waiting. <laughs> <laughs> you have to think he became a womanizer because of his height, coupled with the fact that his name was small. Yeah, that and I also I did read that his dad was like big on the showmanship. Like he was a kind of showman, so so that was probably part of Small's like you know, like identity that he developed. And, you know, who knows, maybe his dad did some of that and he's just like learning from example but yeah i think it was there was some compensation going on for both the height and and the uh and the name the whole thing with the womanizing yeah i can i can see that i can see that i i had a trauma in my life my my wife ended up leaving me just out of the blue and kind of like a couple of months after that like i found tinder (laughs) oh boy yeah (laughs) And I cleaned up. I absolutely cleaned up. And I recently had to get off Tinder because I went, you're engaging in some dangerous self-destructive behavior, Scott. <laughs> y- y- let- let's bail right now. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, you were you were you were the Ambrose Small of Tinder. I was the Ambrose. I was the broke ass, <laughs> no theater having Ambrose Small. You also didn't have a uh, a secret room that, uh, that you, I know of. That you know of. I actually <laughs> want to make a secret room in my house. It seems appropriate. Is it going to be have soundproofing, drapery, a bar filled with whiskey and wine, a portrait of a... It's going to have a portrait of a nude woman. Let's just face facts. Was, or a lot of Transformers. I was actually <laughs> thinking, make it the Transformers room. That way, whenever people come over, they don't see that. Because that, that usually throws people. And just, it would be great to like, oh, you want to see something? Pull a book out. The shelf slides to the side. Look at this. I'm a freak. People die in here. No, I wouldn't kill anyone. So a portrait of a, of a nude Transformer? You know, Megatron in a sexy pose. <laughs> there. Don't even li- tell me. I don't a little side, know. little side note. Oh no, we we're going there. There is a figure coming out called Firebird RC, that is essentially like a a pinup transformer. Wow. Yeah. What it, a world. It is disturbing. It is disturbing. <laughs> And I will own it. And I want to create, I want to get like one tiny pedestal and place it right in the center of my collection. No, that's what you should have the portrait of. Oh, absolutely. That can be a portrait. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just like Ambrose. Like you can be more like Ambrose. And yeah. a satin bed right in the middle satin of my collection. Satin bed, satin pillows. Heavy yep. drapes yep. to muffle the sound of. Oh, yeah. You got to love the soundproofing aspect. Yeah. That definitely is an attention to detail. And you can, you know, make some guesses as to why he would want that. This is the guy, given if this would have been a hundred years later, he would have had a video camera. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 hidden. Yeah, hidden video camera for sure. Absolutely. This would yeah. have been this this guy is the backroom casting couch of 1919. Yes. Yes, he loved <laughs> loved his starlets and showgirls. Yes. Loved to be seen on them. Many of them had their hearts broken by him. You know, probably all thought that they were, you know, like, you know, might get a shot and then didn't. And he's just taking advantage of them left and right and then discarding them like used toys, mm-hmm. you know? It's really you know, there a lot of, you know, like Women, especially in, in those days, came to, you know, the, the theater world's innocent, you know, not, not knowing that these things happen. And now, of course, we have <laughs> scandals like we have today, yeah. you know, like Harvey Weinstein and stuff. Well, I don't know how to pronounce Weinstein. Wine, it doesn't really it's matter. Something. He doesn't deserve to have his name 
Hopefully going to jail, Steen. Bill Kisby <laughs> and Harvey Woonstein. <laughs> um, which, the whole thing with him being a playboy, it really kind of shocked everybody whenever, right before he, he turns 40, he marries Teresa Corman. Yeah, who is, as we said, his stepmother's youngest younger sister. And wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. So she's got that, like I said, sweet, sweet opera house money. Um, heiress to a brewing fortune. The Corman yeah. Brewery. I wonder if they still make Corman beer. I don't think they do because it just it came up in one of my searches. I didn't click on it, but it was like the Lost Breweries of Canada or something. And, and that because I was looking up her specifically to find out more. And so, yeah, I'm pretty sure they don't. Uh, we can always double check that and correct next See, week. See, I, I don't drink. But honestly, I would have cracked open a Corman's beer for this episode. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what a looker she was. If uh, <laughs> I want you if if you don't if you don't have access to a computer right now and you can't look up a picture of Teresa Corman, I want you to picture Jack Black. Yeah. Yeah. Kinda Jack Black looking. Jack Black. Not even like in a wig, really. Just clean shaven Jack Black. In a dress. Basically, yeah. Yeah. Your, your, your average, like, uh, late Victorian period style dress. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, not a fancy woman. Not, no, no, surprise, surprisingly, considering her, uh, I'm a, although it's harder to tell in older pictures, because you can't, you can't see the extent of any, like, jewelry, like, she could have had, like, diamonds draped over her, but you can't tell because they didn't really have, like, great flashes, so you can't see the sparkle and everything, right. so she could have been, I mean, he did eventually, you know, um... That last day, he was out buying her jewelry and furs. So supposedly, so um, he, I don't think he loved her. I don't think he loved her, and I don't think she she loved him. This was not a. a I mean, as as of many marriages in this time period, and beyond, this was this was not a, a loved marriage. He he actually like hated many things about her. Um, he, he was and he was not quiet about hating them either. No, no, people knew knew he he, he would tell anybody who would listen. He. Complete strangers. He would tell them how much he hated children, uh, how much he hated Catholics, which she was one, very devout, mm-hmm. um, and the poor. Well, so far, I don't see anything that I disagree with. <laughs> <laughs> He's a liar. Um, yeah, he, yeah, I don't hate Catholics. He didn't. He didn't like. Uh, <laughs> The, the children and the poor can. Poor children can go fuck themselves. <laughs> oh, oh God. <laughs> That's our first T-shirt, yeah. right? Yeah. That's our first. Th- the merchandising is just right there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he he started. Um, he really became more interested in in betting. He was really big on the horse races. New like, like he would bet on like every horse race in America, fixed or not, and he would win the fixed races. Which yeah. Sometimes there was some scuttlebutt that you know the person who wins the fixed race maybe was the person who fixed the race. He started. After after this, he started gambling heavily, even for him. Yeah, yeah. You know, so and there was there was what there was a race where he won ten thousand nineteen hundred dollars. Yep, mm-hmm. that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money in Canadian uh, nineteen nineteen or whatever year it was. It was probably before nineteen nineteen. Probably. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot of a lot of money in those dollars, and um, and so yeah, he was he was known to just kind of disappear for for time periods to go off you know carousing betting womanizing all of his fun stuff but in uh one source i found said that in 1918 which you gotta love the timing there because a year later dun 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 Mm -hmm. um teresa she had turned a blind eye to all of his womanizing ways 
for years, um, which Honestly, a lot of women probably did in those days. Well, you think about, though, if it's a marriage of convenience, mm-hmm. this dude hates Catholics, mm-hmm. hates charities, which Teresa was very much into charity. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Why would you want him around? Yeah, she's probably just glad he's out of the house. Yeah. Like, you know, happy to have her alone Catholic time. Right. <laughs> and, and go give to the poor children. That's, uh, <laughs> that's going to be the name of my sex tape, alone Catholic time. <laughs> That's the name of my new band. (laughs) (laughs) So she actually found several obscene letters that his mistress, Clara Smith, or one of his mistresses, who the hell knows, uh, had written to him. So somebody getting a little spicy. (laughs) Now, have you found pictures of Clara Smith? No, I didn't. Did you? No, I did not. Yeah, I don't think she was, like, big enough. You know, like, Teresa was was known and, you know, very, very well-known. So, you know, you didn't get pictures or portraits right. unless you were in, in, in the 1910s, unless you were a big name or, you know, like a small family hired a photographer or something. See, I was super curious because I wanted to see, because this, apparently, Clara was his favorite mistress oh. out of all the mistresses, right? And I can understand that because on Tinder, I had my favorite go-to girls. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, Lisa. Lisa was always my favorite go-to girl. Lisa was your Clara Smith. <laughs> Lisa Lisa was a bit older than me, and we would get together and have some fun times. <laughs> and then one day she stopped calling me. Aww. And, uh, and I, she stopped answering my phone, and I looked her up, and she had died. That's actually exactly where my brain went. Yeah. And you haven't told me that story before, I don't think. No, she had died. My brain always goes to worst case scenario. So as yeah. soon as you said, like when somebody won't answer my phone calls, I'm like, oh, okay, they're dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, In this very, case, very it worried. was very true. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Oh, that's okay. That's, that's okay. That's it was a rough one. It was a, it was a weird situation where you just go, I wonder why Lisa's not calling me. Oh, that's, oh, that's why. Hey. Yeah. Well, it wasn't the case with Clara Smith. She was... And still seeing him. Yeah. Um, which is it's interesting. Um, but yeah, um, Teresa found all these letters. She just laid them out on the dining room table. And a nice dramatic, but a quietly dramatic move. You got to admire that. Just presenting them. You like, know, the balls on her. Yeah. Just be like, here, husband, I have evidence of your wrongdoing. We're making very, like, big Vanna White gestures here. <laughs> or like, you know, like... Uh, what do they call the the girls at the like boat shows and stuff? The the presenters. I don't know what the. <laughs> they uh, have a name. Spokesmodels. There, spokesmodels. there we go. Yeah. There we go. So just picture this: Jack Black in a sequin dress, <laughs> yes. looking very upset, going, "What are these?" And just <laughs> yeah. passing his hand out, like waving it over, like he's wafting a hot apple pie in front of your nose. Yeah, yeah. and then he came upon it. He was like, "Oh shit." <laughs> It, it wasn't me. Do you, there, it was another whole, Ambrose Small. Another, another Ambrose Small. It was Ambrose Bierce. There's tons, tons of who disappeared as well. <laughs> yeah, six years before. Yeah. In, Sorry, I'm laughing about a man's disappearance. I shouldn't be, but it's just funny that somebody eventually would say, is somebody collecting Ambroses? Yeah, Charles Fort. Uh, Charles Fort actually made that point. Is somebody collecting Ambroses? Charles Fort, if you ever hear of like unexplained phenomena being called Fortian. I have. That's where that comes from. Stop Charles Fort. Stop teaching my things. I don't have the room in my brain. <laughs> yes, Charles Fort, uh, who wrote this wonderful book. If you ever get a chance, please read The Book of the Damned. Okay, Which all right. is about all sorts of unusual phenomena. Huh. Uh, and it's all that turn of the century. We're talking flying humanoids, monsters, uh, mystery airships is what, what they called UFOs back mm-hmm. in those days. Um, just this entire book. 
And Charles Fort came to the conclusion that the Earth doesn't actually belong to humans. That we are cattle and that we are somebody else's property. That's funny because I just listened to a podcast like talking about the whole like lizard people thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that everybody's lizard people. It's just funny that that happened. To, See, I just listened to that like yesterday. I, I, I love watching the lizard people videos on YouTube. <laughs> they're, so Be- they're so great because it's obviously, obviously just pixelization, you know, yeah. and, and and artifacts and the, and the digital uh, filming. But then every once in a while you have to go, well, yeah, it is kind of weird how that news reporter unhinged her jaw and swallowed that guinea pig hole. <laughs> that, uh, come to think of it, that was a little odd. That was strange. <laughs> and then Mark Zuckerberg, like, come on, if there's anybody. If anybody's a lizard person, it's Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, yeah. I want to know, yesterday, uh, if you're listening to this now, yesterday is the day that Facebook went down oh, yes. for so long. Yes, of course. Which actually caused havoc with my other podcast because that's how we communicate before the show. Caused havoc with mine because I was uh, right in the middle of doing all the social media for our release. Like that that day we had an episode release and I do the social media and it was like, I can't access anything. I could get on Twitter. <laughs> and I, I just picture like, like Zuckerberg in the corner, like hunched over steam coming out <laughs> yeah. of one of his ears and just... Unless a bunch of engineers going, oh my god, it's down, it's down! <laughs> that, like, the Zuck is actually Facebook. And, like, yeah. his, his head flies open and a little lizard crawls out and goes, eh, and just dies. And they replace him with a new lizard. We <laughs> need to make, like, an illustration where it's, like, Zuckerberg's face, like, <laughs> merge with the Facebook logo. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so yeah, um, back, back, to, back to small. Sorry. That's okay, no, we're, we're tangenty today, but that's fine. It's that's... good. It's fun. Um... So, yeah, uh, he he destroyed all the correspondence, all these obscene letters. You, you really want to know what... I wish he hadn't destroyed them because I really want to know what they said. Oh, my God. Can oh. you imagine? Yeah. The, it, 1919... Yeah. or Sorry, 1918 obscene letters. Yes. They've got to be, like, the weirdest mix of porn and Victorian. Yeah. Dearest Clara. <laughs> Porn-torian. Dearest Clara, how my my loins excited the vision of your armpit hair and unkempt bush... <laughs> I'm going to let you come up with all the Victoria porn here. <laughs> but that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you kindly. So My I, nostril hairs quiver and my mustache tingles at the scent of your body odor. And he did have quite the walrus mustache. It looks like two dead mouses stapled <laughs> yeah. to his face. Mouses? Mice. <laughs> There's Fuck. the grammar. <laughs> so, yeah, um, he kept it up. He, he, he swore he wasn't going to uh, keep it up with Clara, but he did, and probably with some other women. Uh, Teresa didn't know. Um, she but he saw she her, knew. supposedly she didn't know, uh, maybe he just hid it better, like, you know, maybe kept those obscene letters in the secret room or something. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, he even had dinner with her on December 1st, which is a precipitous date in his life, because on that date or the day after, it's kind of murky, depends on which source you look at, um, he had decided to retire, he was 56 years old. Uh, the costs had increased in the theater business. It wasn't as you know big a money maker as it was. So he was like, let's 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 GTFO. Let's and, and let's remember, head out. remember, this isn't one theater he's selling. Oh, no, he's no, selling no. a chain. Yes. It's practically every theater in Eastern Canada. Yep, he was. Uh, he owned theaters in seven Ontario cities and was the controller of sixty-two other buildings. He was basically a self-made millionaire, um, and. Yeah, he decided time to time to cash out. So he sold it all to a Canadian theater conglomerate for 
$1.7 million $1919. Canadian dollars, yes. Canadian dollars, which uh, translates to... I, I did this today, right before right before I got here, because I'm sure tomorrow the number is going to be different mm-hmm. with the fluctuating currency. $25,884,612.18 in 2019 cash. You're right that it fluctuates because I think I did this yesterday, and at least my source said $22.3 million uh, in Canadian. And that's $16.8 million in U.S. dollars for anybody who's wondering, you know, about the U.S. currency. So, yeah, sold it all. Um, I guess the next morning, I'm thinking, Teresa took the, uh, they got a, a $1 million check, and then the rest of it was going to be dispersed, you know, like, in, in, I, in installments, essentially. Yeah, what I heard was a five-year installment yes, of yes. $700,000. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was, that was how that worked, and she took this $1 million check to their bank, Dominion Bank. At 11.45 a.m., Ambrose decided, you know, like, I'll, I'll let the little woman go deposit the check. I'm going to go buy her some furs and jewelry and order a new Cadillac. I think this is where we should introduce one John Doty. Yes, yes. Did you also have to Google how to pronounce that? Yes, I did. <laughs> High five. I didn't. <laughs> I was like, there's no way I'm going to know how to pronounce this. Doughty, Doughty. Dofty, you Dofty, never know. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like Dofty, honestly. I never Actually, even thought yeah. of Dofty. But yeah, John Doty, uh, he was he was kind of like uh, Ambrose's right-hand man. Yeah. He is the mm-hmm. Darth Vader to Ambrose's Palpatine. Yes. Um, he, he is the Dick Cheney to his George W. Bush. <laughs> or maybe the reverse. Did you just say that? Yeah, the maybe same. Maybe the reverse. Yeah, maybe the reverse. <laughs> because, I mean, for everything that Ambrose wanted done... Doty was the guy that went out and did it. He put mm-hmm. a large amount of his business dealings into the hands of Doty, and Doty was well aware of Small's bad habits, which at this point is starting to take its toll. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. he's he's it's starting to show up. it. Yeah, uh, the high life is beginning to just really wreak havoc with him. Uh, Small uh, has gray hair. He's got broken blood vessels all over his face mm-hmm. from heavy drinking, and apparently he's cut his womanizing down to just Clara at this point because he's suffering from what what I like to think they called back in the day as flopsy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have to go any further than that. I don't think I've ever made that laugh before. <laughs> That's a new laugh for me. I'm in my 30s and I'm finding new laughs. <laughs> I'm. Uh, you're welcome. I'm happy I'm able to do this for you. And then if it's caused by alcohol, it's called whiskey flopsy. Ah, whiskey flopsy. Which <laughs> They'll is invent a, a pill, but it'll be way too late for poor animals. Sounds like a, sounds like a Japanese anime character. Whiskey, <laughs> whiskey flopsy. flopsy. Yeah. By the way, if, you, if you're not, you should be watching Whiskey Cavalier. Oh, okay. Whiskey Cavalier is great. It's, it's like James Bond, but like really emotional James Bond. <laughs> and then Lauren Cohen, sweet Lauren Cohen. From uh, Maggie from The Walking Dead plays okay. a CIA spy who is just emotionless, Ooh. and it's great to be able to see Lauren Cohen without uh, the rotting corpses uh, <laughs> around her. And by that I mean Walking Dead fans, because uh, <laughs> those poor fuckers are just yeah they're zombies themselves by this point. They if you're still watching The Walking Dead, why? It's damn, <laughs> it's shows boring. While we're making show recommendations, been watching Broadchurch. I haven't seen it I'm yet. I'm catching up on, well, David Tennant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. And Olivia Coleman. And, oh, my God. It's, it's just, it's... 
I really, I really kind of like Olivia Coleman. Yeah, she's I, great. She's, you, you need to watch it. It's yeah, so good. And David Tennant gets to break out his actual Scottish accent. Nice. So good. So nice. good. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to watch the last episode of season three tonight, and that's the last. Season. I don't know if they're going to make more of it. I wait to find out until after, you know, because I'm mm-hmm. afraid of being spoiled. So, but yeah, um, I highly recommend Broadchurch. And this has been Show Recommendations. Well, I was actually <laughs> sitting here thinking we should do like a side, a side podcast. Where it's just like what we're watching on TV. Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. I can do that. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, they, they, he, she went and cashed or deposited the check. He went and spent the money. And um, John, John Doty sits in the corner going like, you sons of bitches. Yeah, he thinks that he's, he's going to lose his job because this new conglomerate is coming in. And we all know how that works, mm-hmm. you know. Um, he's supposedly not. Uh, but he doesn't know this. No. Yes. And um, so Teresa would later tell the cops uh, that Small said he'd be home by 6 o'clock that night. And she told her sister that afternoon that they were going to travel the world uh, with all their, their newfound money. And furs and jewels and maybe that Cadillac would come in handy with the traveling. So and then um, so he met with his lawyer in his office, Small did, uh, at the Grand e- Opera House. The wonderfully named... E W M Flock. See, I have F W M. I don't know which it is. Hmm. Let's go let's... to the Wikipedia. <laughs> um, let's see here. See F W M on Wikipedia, and I have. Looks like E W M on this other page. I don't know if the microphone is picking it up, but Hemingway is singing the song of his people. Aww. Yeah, I have EWM flock on prairieghost.com. So you see that this is this is part of the the whole it's it's both the thrill and the frustration of yeah. researching these things is you find so many different details in different places and some of them are discrepancies like birth years and n- names yeah. and all this. Um I mean that's what part of what I love it, but it's part of why I'm always like like I like to have details, right? So I'm always like what do I write? So yeah. I've just kind of like started to like like just ditch the anxiety and I go with the first thing I read. Well, honestly, <laughs> that's the detail that's right. I, I think that's the beauty of you and me both doing our own separate research. Oh, absolutely, on this yeah. Because then we can kind of go, look, here it is on here. This is what it is over here. Um, if you happen to be like with a moderator or the owner of Prairie Ghost, could you do something with <laughs> the color and font? Because please, like my eyes feel like I've gotten a, a fast Cosby done on them. It's <laughs> oh, God. It's bad. It is. It was very. Um. It's. It, yeah. It's, it's. It's nicely done as far as content is concerned. Absolutely. A little bit overwrought, maybe. But but that's where we got our spicy and florid from. Exactly. So we can't complain. And but yeah. Um. Yeah. Yellow font on black background is a little little rough on the eyes. Somebody's a Steelers fan. I was. Yeah. <laughs> I was seeing spots a little while later. Yeah. Yeah. And I found I found that like at two o'clock in the morning in a dark room. Oh God. And I went. Oh, Prairie goes. Because I love Prairie Ghosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've gone there. They have like a ton of stuff about like Mothman up there. And I, I hit that and I and just, boom. And it's like my eyes shot out my ears. And yeah. it, was just, it was rough. And if you've ever tried to rethread your optic nerve through your oh, ear oh, canal. Oh, no, stop, 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 bye, thanks. <laughs> See, somebody says optic nerve, let alone thread. Um, oh, God. Yeah, I'm literally, cl- I can't read my papers with my eyes closed. I found Christie's kryptonite. <laughs> oh, I have several kryptonites. I have many kryptonites. Eyes. I found Christie's red kryptonite. Spiders. Onions. Really? Spiders? Uh, oh, yeah. I, mean, I know they eat the bad things, but I just, they creep me out. See, I only have like one animal that I'm afraid of. 
snakes. Oh yeah, I hate snakes. Yeah, we won't go into my snake stories. I have snake stories, but I do, I do. another we're, episode we'll go into my done. snake stories. Yeah, so snake stories. Snakes. Ah. Old timey crimey. That's our. That's our. That's our new podcast. Snake stories. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us your stories about snakes. Uh, but yeah, E or F W M flock. Yeah, love that name. Uh, he uh, small goes to like flock and goes. Okay, take care of this. Here's this paperwork. Sign this. Smoke this cigar. Drink this drink. Laugh it up. Oh, by the way, whenever you see uh, Doty again, could you tell him to uh, expect a raise in pay because Flock's firm is going to hire him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Doty, Doty doesn't know this, so he goes to a safety deposit box that has a bunch of victory bonds in it. Smalls victory bonds. Yep, yep. And with, with Smalls, he stole, either had on his possession or stole Smalls' key mm-hmm. to the safety deposit box. $100,000. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, motherfucker, that motherfucking Smalls. And he's probably thinking, I'll fucking kill him, but I'm just going to take these bonds. And he takes the bonds. And disappears that exact same day. Yeah. So they both disappeared the same day, which when you, it depends on where you read it, honestly, where you read the story, the impression that you get. Because honestly, before I had read more into it, when I was just at the point where Dodie had disappeared, um... And, and before I knew more, I honestly thought they disappeared the same day. I didn't know him up as much about his, like, hatred of small. I thought, you know, gay lovers have to live their life. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. I, you know, like, it, it, that, I was like, oh, a revelation. And then the next day I come back to the research and I was like, oh, no, that's totally wrong. No, yeah. that's just so the, wrong. <laughs> whenever I first did this, the thought did cross my mind. I've started to, like... Whenever I research anything now, I start to sketch out like a little timeline. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the first time I ever saw that, that huge discrepancy in time was whenever I was researching the Roswell crash. And you get the idea of the ship crashed in Roswell, and then the military's out there the next day and cleaning up. That wreckage laid out there for two weeks. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and that kind of blew my mind mm. that that just laid out there for two weeks. According to some sources, we're talking about 1947, which honestly is not that far away from 1919. Yeah, it really isn't. So the sources have about the same amount of of sameness and credibility, which is, it depends. And (laughs) then you're talking about an alien craft crashing in the desert. Also that. Yes. Yes, Yes, also that. But that totally happened. And anyway... So, um, so yeah, his, he, they both disappeared. Um, depending on who you believe, either Flock was the last person to really see him or a newspaper salesman right. down the street, like a guy with a newspaper stand. Cause right. yeah, there was a vicious, vicious storm that day. Yeah. Yeah. Really snowy. It was, <laughs> it, was in de- it was in December, December, um, first or second. Yeah. And it was, it was bad. Small was in a really good mood. He was smoking, he was drinking, he was laughing and he left the opera house. He bundled up pushed out against the weather, and supposedly he went to a newsstand to check racing results. This was a habit that he had. And I have to believe that this newspaper man is the last person to see him just because of this guy's... This guy's a creature of habit. Yeah, and he, the, the, the the sighting was later discredited as him just trying to get more attention or, or something like that for his... You know, I, I like, people go to the stand where he was last seen, but I do I do totally hear you, and I, I feel like I'm leaning towards the, that you're right, that yeah. that seems like a very 
incredible just because yeah i mean you're a gambler yeah you know you 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 your only source of information on the the horses is to you know that the newspaper stand down the street right so what do you do every day when you leave work right this guy is falling apart this guy is literally falling apart he's he can't stop putting his penis into anything with an orifice <laughs> He's a total monster. And honestly, I wouldn't have Ambrose Small any other way. He, he's, he's literally got essentially $25 million. Mm-hmm. It's $1.7 million. But he's got $25 million in his pocket. He's no, wait, to... not, not in his pocket, technically. He, he, when he disappeared, that money was in the yeah. bank, and he had, very, he had not very much cash on his but person. let's face it. At this point, he's seeing it yeah. as in his pocket. Yeah, exactly. Right. I just wanted to make sure that that was clarified right. so that people didn't think that he, oh, well, obviously he ran away with the money. No, he didn't no, have the money. No, he did not. Yeah. He absolutely did not. What would be the first thing I would do? Let, let's say I'm small. What's the first thing i do? I have $1.7 million in the bank. You know what? I'm, I'm going to go play the ponies. I'm yeah. having the best day of my life. I'm going to go play the ponies, and maybe I'm going to go hire a prostitute for me and Clara to enjoy. Yeah. Let's face it. He That's that's what he would have done, and mm-hmm. he's going to get drunk and really use the hell out of that secret room. Yeah. Probably, yeah. But um, that was not what happened, because mm-hmm. he was never, probably never seen again. Um it wasn't, his disappearance wasn't reported until January 1920. That's what happens whenever you just fuck off without a moment's notice and not exactly. telling anyone. Everybody, go tell people when you leave for days or weeks at a time that you're at least leaving. Yeah. You know, like, don't just, just, just fuck off and, you know, to, to wherever the fuck landia and do whatever the fuck you wanna. You gotta actually tell people so that when you do disappear, somebody actually reports it maybe with less than a month. You know, yeah. they say that like, what is it? 48 or 72, 72 hours after the, disappearance? 48 is the, most, is the most important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they lost like a, a, a whole shit ton of hours. Yeah. 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 And it's a thing. I'm sure a lot of people are going like, well, that's not going to happen in today's world. It Look, happens. It happens. It totally happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the gentleman's name who had his uh, arm pinned behind a rock? Oh, gosh. I can almost remember it. I feel like his first name is Chris. Uh, I was totally off. Aaron Ralston. That's it. That's it. Guess what Aaron Ralston did? Now, don't get me wrong. I think Aaron Ralston is an incredible human being. Uh, to be able to do that? Yeah. Holy yeah. shit, you must have some serious fucking fortitude. Well, that's only part of the story, because he cut his arm off, but then he also rappelled down a cliff and walked 20 miles to safety. Yeah. Missing, a, a freshly missing arm. Yeah. He didn't tell anybody where he was going. Mm-hmm. And he might be able to clap today. If it wouldn't <laughs> Jesus. Have been that. Cut that out. Cut that out, Scott. I don't want to cut that out. <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> my gosh he made one little mistake sometimes you do just want to get away from it all though. i guess he I get could it you know clap you could just slap the also, one hand against the stump oh jesus <laughs> sometimes you're you know like confident in your abilities and don't like you know like even th- some some people aren't super anxious like you and i yeah, and don't think of true. all the possible horrible things that could happen and then the second they step out the door it's hard to imagine a life like that must be nice yeah well, <laughs> but here's the thing this wasn't a guy who was like going down the street to Walmart, though. No, no, he's you're right. going hiking he's going, in the desert. Yeah, like forget the fact that that your arm could be pinned by a boulder. Yeah, you're in the desert. Yeah, there's a lot that can happen out yeah. there. Yeah, 
All right, but no victim blame. <laughs> Except for Ambrose, apparently, which we're kind of... I'm not blaming him for his disappearance. Just, he didn't... He did the exactly lead a virtuous life. Right, right. It, he didn't make friends easily. Yeah. He, Ambrose Small doesn't play well with others. Yeah. If anything bad happened to him, which we... we I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for you. We don't know. Yeah. We're going to theorize heavily and make shit up. Um, but, you know, it wasn't, it, it, no matter how, whether he was a shitty person or not, you know, we all deserve to live a life and, and not to just have, like, just disappear, which is exactly what he did. He just, he just disappeared. Just up and vanished. Completely. Yeah. Largest manhunt in Canadian history. Mm-hmm. His, uh, his wife offered... Oh, at first it was $500, and then eventually she ramped it up, or sooner rather than later, maybe up to $50,000 to find him alive. seemed to cause more trouble than help. Well, also, what was causing trouble was the, uh, the alternate reward was 15000 for his corpse. So people were just bringing corpses <laughs> left and right. <laughs> Mr. Holmes, good to see you again. <laughs> yes. Got me some Ambrose Small right here. Just, just bodies left and right. So, And they would all claim... That they were, uh, the bodies were Ambrose, so that's, this was keeping the, the investigators and the medical examiners and such busy, uh, looking at all these random dead bodies. Although, apparently they only had to look real quick because, uh, you know, when the cops have particular information that they don't release to the public, mm-hmm. well, Small had hammer toes. And they didn't tell the public that, so I guess really all they had to do was look at the toes, but maybe they were just so inundated with bodies you know, and probably there were a couple of hammer toes that came in that they had to check, you know? <laughs> like, Get okay, the, so it's hammer toes, but is it him? It's hammer toes. <laughs> Get any woman on the streets of Toronto in here. Yeah. Just pull his pants down. <laughs> Let them take a gander. They'll be able to identify them. Yeah. So, yeah, um, the, the wife, Teresa... Um, she thought that Small had fallen into the hands of a quote-unquote designing women. And yes, I do have in my notes Delta Burke, maybe? <laughs> Nah, nah. If anybody's gonna kill anybody, it's Annie Potts. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 No, I love Annie Potts. <laughs> Me too. But I'm just show. saying, out of all of them, the one that's capable of murder, and I think she admitted admitted herself, Annie Potts. She was in Ghostbusters. She has clout. Yes, she does. So one thing I found interesting was that week, the Opera House was playing a, a play called Revelations of a Wife, which was a, a big deal. I tried looking it up, and all I could find was a serialized story that appeared for, like, over 15 years during this time period in magazines and newspapers. So I think probably the play was based on that, but I couldn't find anything on the play in particular. But it was a, a, got full houses, and I was kind of thrown off by the fact that the police analyzed the plot and its themes, but found no leads um this play was not uh, you know picked by small for its cryptic hints as to his disappearance and mm-hmm. i'm like is this something he did on the regular was he like hmm what should i show what cryptic hints do i want to leave in case i shall disappear one one of the detectives in this let's see if i, I have his name here one of the detectives in this was really fond of woo woo out there kind of deals like he would he would get psychics out there oh i have a whole thing about one of the the criminologists supposedly um austin mitchell was the original chief investigator i'm not certain if that was him yeah i'm not not. i'm not sure um but 
but yeah, they did. They did bring in some some interesting people, but we'll get to that. Ah, I think that's a little ways down the line. Vienna criminologist, oh. Doctor Maximilian Langsner. That's the guy I was talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. He uh, claimed that he was able to use psychic thought processes to find missing men, and uh, yeah, it's just uh, they put him up in the finest Toronto hotel, absolutely. paid for it on the city's dime. And so he had seances, he did astral trips, and he would call the police and uh, with his, his revelations and say, go, go, go find him, dig up half the countryside, and nothing. So the de- de- detectives were not happy about that, and so Langsner said that, that the policemen were, quote-unquote, clouding his vision. <laughs> well, they even got the author of Sherlock Holmes, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, in on this. Well, they got him interested in it, but then he wouldn't actually, like, get into it. Yeah. Like, it was basically like, he was like, oh, that sounds like an interesting case. And then he was like, oh, but all these are more interesting. <laughs> that, that, to me, is just so weird that they get Arthur Conan Doyle. Yeah, yeah. That's like going like, you know what? We're having real trouble solving this murder. Get Angela Lansbury. <laughs> get her out here. <laughs> Or the person who wrote? Did she write? I don't. I don't think so. I don't think okay. so. But it's yeah. it's akin to it. I get the Christie, or who's who's uh, mystery author? These I don't know. I get the Christie, but you know she ended up disappearing for a while too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. speaking of Doctor Who, well, there was a whole episode about oh, that. Yes, it it was all wasps. It was the wasps. I mean, obviously, that is the obvious answer. Come on, I don't see why anybody didn't come up with that before. Jesus, so. what a fool we were. We couldn't see yes. the forest for the trees. So naturally, they did question some of his mistresses um, on uh, Mrs. Small's behest, uh, but nobody really seemed to be a likely candidate to have engineered whatever happened. Um, so, and they they interviewed her, Teresa, many times, um, and they, at the end, they were like, "Okay, yes, she definitely hates her husband. No, she's not capable of killing him." That was their decision, mm-hmm. and which seems a little. Okay, <laughs> like people can hide things. Like if, if maybe she couldn't hide that she d- didn't hate her husband, but maybe she's able to hide that she killed him or was part of a plot. I, yeah. I don't know if you can tell. I have theories, but so I, yeah. I love that. Now, one year later, we have a break in the case. We find Dodie. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, we find Dodie. No, and people are going. Oh, go I ahead. Love how we find yeah. him. <laughs> Dodie, Dodie, just like like. And, and everybody, like, loses their shit of, like, we're going to find out what happened. We caught the guy that probably did it. John Doty. He's, he's, he's here. Yeah. It would be like, it would, this would be akin to right now finding, finding one of the passengers of MH370 <laughs> eating in a Chinese restaurant in China. The, the nationwide notice that they put out into Canada it creeped its way into the U.S., or at least the northern U.S., so it gets into Oregon, a small milling town. A man known as, are you ready for this? hmm Three Fingers. <laughs> Good old Three Fingers. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if there was something wrong with his hands. I wonder if it had something to do with the mill. <laughs> I guarantee it. I guarantee it. So he saw the notice, and uh, he's like, hey, this this guy looks kind of familiar. Kind of looks my, like my manager, Charlie Cooper. And that's who it was. It was John under a fake name. And he didn't learn until he'd been captured about the whole promotion and salary. Got to get some tremolo yeah. in there. <laughs> so yeah, he's extradited back to Canada, stands trial, 
only convicted on the bonds, on the on, on stealing the bonds from the safe deposit box and went to jail for five years, but they couldn't find any evidence to tie him to the kidnapping or a murder or anything like that. And he claims to the day he died, he's claiming, nope. And he he was upfront. He was, yeah, I stole it. I was pissed. Yeah. But I, I didn't throw Emperor Palpatine down the shaft. <laughs> I love how you keep on incorporating that in. Very nicely that's, done. That's exactly who it is. This yeah. is... This is two podcasts now where we have a bad guy, and make no mistake about it, Ambrose Small is a bad guy in this. He's mm-hmm. not the bad guy like H.H. H. Holmes was, but he's got a fucking minion. Yeah, yeah, really. A minion that in some weird way turns on him. Well, it was, he had even, like, there were rumors, so we're just relying on rumors at this point, but there were rumors that he had said to a friend, one day I'll kill Ambrose Small. But when you have... When you have a disappearance of a theater magnate, everybody knows you look at the Darth Vader and the the beer heiress first. Yes. <laughs> Those are the first places the police look. Everybody knows that. It's common knowledge. Yeah. So so yeah, they they he he wasn't uh, connected. Some people did say that he and Teresa were lovers. But again, these are all rumors, but a lot of what we have is rumors that they conspired to kill him. Burn the body in the furnace of the theater, which is actually, I do believe, I believe the, the body in the furnace part. That's, that's convenient. That you know? is very convenient. So, um, but yeah, so that was a, an interesting, uh, interesting side note. When you, yeah, definitely when you're reading about a disappearance and you see that somebody very close to them disappeared the same day, you're like, what, wait mm-hmm. a second. No such thing as a coincidence. Yeah. Except here, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, um, you had that happen. And then a couple years later, uh, 1921, excuse me, I'm just burping all over the place. No, You're that's welcome, okay. listeners. I'm going Enjoy. To, you burp. I'm going to sniff because I'm still fighting off that cold. Okay. If you need a Kleenex? No, I'm good. Okay. All right. So um, this, was, this was a fun little side trip down Bonkers Lane. Yeah. Uh, like, clues start to pour in. Yeah. Really weird clues. A gentleman named George Suit. Saw Smalls pushed into a car. Oh, yeah. He just comes through and goes, yeah, I saw him pushed into a car. Mm -hmm. I thought it was weird. (laughs) And Albert Elson saw four men burying something in a ravine. Yeah. uh, Close to where Smalls disappeared. And then a lady. This is the one that fascinates me. Hmm. Mary Quigley. Did you read Mary Quigley's? I glanced over it. She saw a prayer for the deceased Smalls pinned to a convent wall. So, and it was like, um, let me let me look up exactly what it said. Uh, Quigley saw, let's see here, control F, Q, U, I, uh, G. Um, it says, this was pinned to the wall of the Convent of Precious Blood, uh, requesting prayers for the repose of the soul of Ambrose J. Small. Several days before he vanished. <laughs> Somebody was planning this. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, if that happened, he, it seemed to bring some people out of the woodwork, you know, with what, some interesting theories and thoughts. How how many people have tried to insert themselves into the Jimmy Hoffa story? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you, so, have, that, you have that with a lot of things. A lot of cases, you know, people just, they, they pour in. It tends to bring out people with eccentric ideas, shall we say, um, because there's, you know, they're either they want to be part of it or there's attention to be had or it's just part of you know what's what's going on in their head at the time 
you know, you, you really don't know, but you, you do get, and that's, you know, one of the reasons why they hold back information like hammer toes, mm-hmm. you know, is so that, you know, when all this information starts pouring in, they can start, or these corpses start pouring in, they can roll it out. So yeah, lots of, lots of interesting information. And, you know, a couple, a couple of years pass. It wasn't until uh, 1921 that in Des Moines, Iowa, um, there was a man who claimed, well, a private detective, John J. Brothy, Brothy, mm. <laughs> I love that name, Brothy, I like saying it, um, brought him in, and I'm, this is a quotation, Scott. Uh, no, no, I want to say it. <laughs> Half-crazed cripple. Quotation marks around that. <laughs> I'm doing air quotes for him. <laughs> so, yeah, they. Um, he had a man that uh, he claimed was small. Um, uh, the, the guy... Well, the guy doesn't claim to be small at first. He gives his name as John, John Doty. Doty. Yep. But then... But then Dodie is like, Dodie's sitting up in Canada at this point. In jail. Yeah. Not really in Des Moines. Right. You and can't be in jail in Canada and Des Moines at the same time. There's a whole, like, physics thing. Right. <laughs> right. If you are able to pull it off, welcome to One Step Closer to Sainthood in the Catholic Church, which Small wouldn't have wanted. Yeah. 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 And also let me know, because I got a lot going on. <laughs> I, I could stand to be in two places at once. It would help. Right. And <laughs> if you could erase my memory of being at work. <laughs> But he, like, he claims to be John Doty, but he bears a striking resemblance to Small. Yeah. Dude has a gunshot wound in his neck. Yes. A serious concussion. Yeah, he'd been uh, uh, accidentally stricken by a car and badly wounded. Um, but he was also missing both of his legs. Severed from the knee down. And he was 100 pounds heavier. Yes, also. Small. Which two years had passed. That yes. is time. That's that's about how much time it took me to put on a hundred pounds. So it's entirely possible. Like I don't I don't understand why people are bringing even bringing the weight into it because it's it's not impossible. Right. At all, you can definitely gain weight faster than you could lose it. If it was like he was a hundred pounds smaller, I would be like, well, that's thirty five pounds, that's, and also that's that's probably a problem. He is missing the legs. <laughs> you know, well, that's, you're not you're not wrong. Yeah. So but it was it was this it was this weird thing where. He bears this striking resemblance to Small, and he's he. It takes him like what is it? Two weeks? Three weeks? Three to weeks. even Open yeah. his mouth and talk. And then when he does, he says, "Quote: I am John Doty. I came here from Omaha. That's all I remember." Mm-hmm. What the fuck? I would be curious, and that seems to be where this whole half-crazed cripple thing ends. Quote, quote, quote. <laughs> That seems to be where it ends. I'm curious, like, where is this guy buried? Yeah. It, it, who the hell knows? Because um, honestly, if this is, if this is small, then DNA could be gathered from it the same way that they gathered it from Holmes' corpse. That's true. Yeah. And I'm sure that there are still family members of small out there, probably more than we know of. Because contraception was not as good as as it as it was as it is now, and today it's not even a hundred percent. I didn't even think about how many of those showgirls must have gotten knocked up. Oh my god! Oh, those poor girls. Oh my god! Oh. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with getting pregnant, but when you're like, you know, an 18 year old showgirl in Toronto and in 1918. Yeah, that's or before. Yeah. That's that's not good times. Because you're basically one step above property. If you're yeah. a woman. 
Oh, yeah. An actress, a showgirl in 1919. Oh, just if you're a woman. Yeah. <laughs> just forget yeah, an actress pretty, and showgirl. Pretty much so. Like, those are steps down from, from woman until you can actually, like, rise up to, you know, some sort of level of fame or success. And what? even then, still pretty much property. I never, I never even really thought about this too much. For that time period, Teresa wielded an incredible amount of power for a woman. She really did. You know what? I didn't think of that either. She was quite... She was influential in his investigation. I mean, wealthy. Money money makes the world go round and mm-hmm. makes the, you know, heiress more pow- powerful. Excuse me. Makes the heiress more powerful. Christie's drunk. <laughs> like Ambrose Small. <laughs> She's graying. The blood vessels are bursting in her face. Gonna go find myself a showgirl. She has a secret room someplace. <laughs> I haven't found it. I'm convinced it's here someplace. We do actually have a room in the basement that I call I it. I knew it! <laughs> no, well, it's not, no. I call it the murder room, but that's just because it scares me. Like, it's, like, right next to where the furnace is, but it's this, like, side room off mm-hmm. in the basement, and there's no light, and it ter- it's, like, where the oil tank is. And it's just, I call it the murder room, because I'm like, yeah, either somebody was or will be murdered there. It's its destiny. This room's destiny is murder, essentially, see, so. See, my house that I live in, people have died. Mm. I was told by the previous owners people were born in the house, People died in the house. And the front room where my sectional sofa and the foosball table is was where they had the funerals. Oh, fun. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, somebody died in my house because there was an elderly couple in the in the last year. Well, the entire, most of their life. Um, but yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised. I do hear noises sometimes and things fall down in rooms where people aren't. <laughs> That's me. Sorry. <laughs> Just trying to freak her out. Nice try. So, so yeah, she did um, wield some influence in, in his investigation, but he was declared dead in 1924. And that's kind of when... See, I have 1923, once again. Uh, see, I have 1924, things. and then I find it interesting. It kept on getting brought back up again. Yeah. Like, it, they, the, the criminologist wasn't until 1926. But they start seeing him everywhere. He becomes like yeah. Elvis Presley. Yeah. There were, uh, there were rumors that he owned a hotel in South America. <laughs> that he Going was, back to his roots. Yeah. Ho- hotels. <laughs> Somebody said they saw him in France... With a woman under each arm and a bottle of champagne clenched in each fist. I mean, honestly, if you haven't staggered down a street in France with a woman under each arm and a bottle of champagne on each fist, you haven't lived. I guess I haven't <laughs> lived. But I know what I'm doing this summer. And magician, famous magician, mm-hmm. Harry Blackstone goes, yeah, I saw Ambrose. He was again in a cantina down in Mexico. <laughs> Just sightings left and right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I guess when you're famous and you disappear and it becomes this ongoing mystery that captures people's imagination. It happens to this day. You don't yeah. even have to disappear. How many Tupac sightings do we have? Yeah, right? Yeah. You can have, like, definitive evidence of a death, but a famous, like, some people just won't let go or they want to believe or whatever. Um, or, you know, there are doppelgangers. There are yeah. people who look, that woman at the jewelry store, you know, like, she was like, do I know you from somewhere? Have you come in before? And I'm like, no, I never have. She's like, you look so familiar. And I do have a doppelganger mm-hmm. running around somewhere. I've had multiple people see her in our town. My husband has a doppelganger. Who, unfortunately for my husband, when he was like turning 28 and he still looks like he's 16, um, the doppelganger was running around in a nearby town causing trouble with the police. The doppelganger was only like 18. The well, police mistook my husband for the doppelganger. Remember the Colorado shooting? 
Oh, yes, that's oh right. When we saw that guy on the TV and everybody was like, oh, my God, what? where was your husband yeah, today? Yeah. A few, yeah, it was a few a few years ago. We were all having a party night at our friend's place. Mm-hmm. We were playing games. And we had heard that there had been a shooting. I believe it was in Colorado. And yes. It was, wasn't it um, a senator? It, it was a uh, congressman or senator. I can't remember. Um, right to the Google. You just, it's, it's live Googling people. Yes. Shot... Colorado and Google will correct me if I'm wrong. It always says Gabby Giffords. Yes, Gabby, Gabby Giffords. Giffords. Um, well, it just says she's a politician. Thank you, Wikipedia. Come on, uh, Congressman, yes. Congresswoman. Um, yeah. So if you want to know what Christie's, no wait, this was Arizona. Oh, okay, Arizona. So if you want to know what Christie's husband looks like, <laughs> he looks like Gabby Giffords' shooter. <laughs> and it was hilarious because her husband and Christie were getting ready to go. And he's standing in front of the TV, and they release the photo. Yeah, and it's right at that moment. Right at that moment, right as they're getting ready to leave. And everybody just kind of looked at Christie's husband, looked at the TV, back at Christie's husband, <laughs> and started to laugh uproariously about this mass shooting. We are bad people. It was so weird, though. It really was. And he does have a baby face, yeah. And he got, he always looks young. He look, he's older than me, but he looks younger. And yeah, he, he got mistook by some cops. We were going into a beer tent at a, like a local, you know, um, at Thunder in the Valley. And these cops were like, hey, how's that, that local kid that was only 18 and pulls all the shenanigans? How's he going into the beer tent? Where do you get a fake ID? And they like dra- dragged my husband over and were like interrogating him while I'm like just jaunting off to the beer stand. Like, la did I get all the way to the yeah. beer stand. And I'm like, I'm going to get a... Wait, where'd you go? <laughs> he's like, oh, my husband's with the cops. I'll have a like, Chardonnay. Yes, he's like 30 yards away with the cops. And I was like, I need to pay more attention to my husband lest the cops abduct him. Whiskey? <laughs> Whiskey. <laughs> Whiskey Flopsy. <laughs> Whiskey Flopsy. So, so yeah. Okay, so 19... Where are we even? 1921, I believe. 1921 was the Des Moines incident. Yes. And then he's declared dead in 23 or 24 they get bringing Langsner in, the, the Vienna criminologist, which this guy just was something. Yeah, if this yeah. guy's a criminologist, yeah. I am I am going to then be... Then you are Ambrose Small. I'm Ambrose Small <laughs> itself. Everybody, I'm well over 100 years old. Uh, 140 uh, this year. You're, you're, I just need to warn you, you're at risk of a... a oh, holy hell. <laughs> she, yeah, a little bit of a cat mauling. She was looking, you kept on landing your hand down on the couch where she was, and she just kept on looking down at it like, is this food? Should it be? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's, she's she a little... She's twitchy. Yeah. With good reason. <laughs> so, so, yeah, not... Not a whole lot happened for about another decade or so after that, it seems. Um, Teresa passed away in 1935 and bequeathed most of her holdings to the Roman Catholic Church, of course. Um, We would expect nothing else. Um, That pissed off Small's sisters. Oh, yeah. They did not like it. They, uh, they, They had contested the will to begin with. And then... So 1936, her remaining holdings, so that there was the majority that went to the Catholic Church, and then there was the remaining holdings. That stuff was going to be auctioned off. And Florence Small, so Ambrose's sister, presented a letter of confession from someone known only as Reuter or Reuter. Not sure how to pronounce it. Um, I like to think it's Reuter. 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 So a letter from Reuter. And I'm going to read the text of this because it is something. Poor Ambrose was killed on December 2nd, 1919, and I know that part of his body, the trunk, 
which is a weird way to refer to it, just a side note, mm-hmm. was buried in the Rosedale Ravine dump and other parts of the body were burned in the Grand Opera House furnace. You will be surprised, my dear Florence and Gertrude, Gertrude, to learn that I am more responsible for your brother's death. God forgive me. I don't know what to do with this. This comes across to me as complete and utter bullshit. There's so much about it that's... There's one word in there that makes it complete and utter bullshit. What is it? The word poor. Ah. Well, he may have felt bad if it was a he indeed. We don't really know. Um, It's, you know, he may have... He seemed to have... If if this was a person, let's just pause mm-hmm. it. This is a person who has been involved in his death, perhaps was a lover of Teresa's, or but he's some, he seems to somehow know the family because he calls the sisters my dear Florence and Gertrude. So if this is a person who k- killed him, he's connected to the family in some way. Um, and so there would be, he would see them grieving. And he would probably, you know, whether it was just a moment of passion or he was, you know, manipulated into it or, you know, just felt he had no other choice, whatever. If he had done it and it was not, you know, a sociopath, he would feel bad, you know. The, the only way I could see this as a legit letter is if everything in it was sarcastic. Hmm. You know, read read the letter again. Read it okay. out loud again and now put sarcasm oh, in it. Okay, all right. Yeah. This is what I was born for. There this you is, go. This is why I'm here. There it is. Poor Ambrose was killed on December 2nd, 1919. And I know that part of his body, the trunk, was buried in the Rosedale Redeem dump and other parts of the body were burned in the Grand Opera furnace. You will be surprised, my dear Florence and Gertrude, to learn that I am more responsible for your brother's death. <laughs> I did the eye roll there. I did. God That's forgive me. Rooter. <laughs> Tell me now that, that that doesn't seem more plausible with a little bit of sarcasm added to it. I mean, I, I really hammed it up and added like a, like a, like a there was a 15-year-old girl inside yeah. me that just like sprang into existence and <laughs> like came back years it. later. You can't see it because this is a podcast, but a side ponytail <laughs> yeah. actually popped out of Christy's head. It, it's actually like more in fashion now, but I'm wearing a scrunchie on my wrist. <laughs> it's actually in fashion now to wear scrunchies again. I was like, Hey, my toenails, Christy. Surely my ability to sew scrunchies that I had in the sixth grade will come in handy someday. Yes, today's soon. the day. Soon. <laughs> so, yeah, this letter is so weird. It's never really been authenticated in any way. Nobody's allowed to see it. Yeah, yeah. And it's so, and there's no really mention anywhere of who this could have been. It's not like they came up and said, you know, like, here's this letter from our friend. No, they just came out with this letter, and it does feel like it was brought up in that moment. Like, I do feel that if, if it was written by a real person, not a real person, but um, not not a real person, they were real people, if it was written by his killer, then I do feel sincerity in it because I would feel like somebody would hopefully be sorry about that, especially if it was a friend of the family or, you know, like something like that. Um, There's an amazing lack of detail in the letter. Though. There is. And his timing, the timing of bringing this letter up, like, oh, our brother's been dead for all these years, but, oh, you're trying to sell off the rest of, you know, like, your stuff that we think should be ours. So what do we do? Well, we write a letter that makes it seem like, you know, maybe you could have been involved in this or maybe like there's that opens some suspicion and can at least stall anything like that. Like there, there's, there's definitely two very different competing possibilities, multiple competing possibilities, actually <laughs> like a spider web of possibilities yes. snaking out from here. So, so yeah, but that didn't, they, they still went on with the auction. It didn't really influence anything. It just was an interesting development for sure. Really? The only thing, it seems like the only things that we can be certain about, Ambrose was a dick. 
He was not a great guy. Yeah. He was not a great guy. Didn't deserve it if something horrifying happened to him. Let's mm-hmm. let's state that out right. Nobody d- deserves, you know, if they're if they're brutally murdered or, you know, like you don't deserve to have your life taken. But he was not, you know, like that whole like don't speak ill of the dead thing. He's got to be dead by now no matter what. Yeah. Um yeah. it's like People don't stop being assholes just yeah. because they die. And he kind of was an asshole. Yeah. Amber, the two things I'm certain of is Ambrose is or was a dick. <laughs> and no one knows what happened to him. Yeah. Everything no else is up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, they did they did reopen the case in 1936. Uh, the Ontario Provincial Police Inspector Edward L. Hammond, um, he he did some re-interviewing of witnesses. He got the reports and, and other documents. And um, so his conclusion, all right, so this is the, the police actually coming to a conclusion that's not, oh, his wife probably didn't do it, but she did hate him, mm-hmm. um, was that Small was murdered. Um, his wife was the main person behind the plot to murder him. And... Uh, he basically implied that the original chief investigator, Austin Mitchell, that we mentioned earlier, um, because of some influence of the Catholic Church, uh, sort of tossed some evidence aside that would have pointed to her. Um, so, but it still was unsolved. That's, I mean, $28 million, 1.7 in those days. That can buy a lot of quiet. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. But... Really? It's to, for, but, for as many people as were supposedly involved in, in this? But if you're thinking not just her, but also because the Catholic Church was like, when she dies, that money's ours. Mm-hmm. Because it's known, you know, like she'd made her wishes known that she wanted to leave her money to the Catholic Church. So you have not only money, but also the power and influence of the church. Uh, that that could keep some quiet. I mean, there there is this, you know, the th- three can keep a secret if two of them are dead. But Remember, the Catholic Church was not well liked at this point, though. I really think it depends on where you were. It seems like they had some influence in that area. I'm sure they did, but even in that area... It may not have been, like, well liked, but, I mean, Catholics tend to be, like, bigger families and everything. And you also have, like, um, the, the tradition of... of Many Catholic families go into like public service, like uh, firefighting and uh, police work and such. Presidency. <laughs> that that too, yeah. yeah. Um, so there is that influence just by having people in places, you know, like multiple people at the police station who can just you know toss something aside if it if it you know if if you just get a a, a word in their ear. That I think that it's almost that like the kind of like family networking version of of influence. And I feel like that, I don't discount it as a possibility. Um, because we, we can say, you know, like the, the Catholics weren't well liked in the day, but we don't know for sure that area. It really yeah. depends on how, you know, was there a big influx of Catholics to the area? And so like previously, so they sort of, you know, like the, all that immigration, they, they sort of became more of a driving influence to the area. And so maybe Toronto or that, you know, the, the province in particular was different than other areas. We know like... They weren't necessarily well-liked in, say, like, New York City, but that was, again, more Irish Catholics, right? Am I right? I think so. I feel I like I'm so. right. Like I, Boston and... I mean, I've seen Newsies, so... Yeah. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about, right? Young Batman, yes. <laughs> yes. yes. 
And no, I, I really don't know what I'm talking about. I'll admit that freely. Um, but I, th that area, yeah, the, 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 the anti-immigrant uh, sentiment was mainly towards like um, Irish and Italians, I believe, at least in America. But yeah. we don't know Toronto during that time period. And Toronto people, Canada, Canadians in general, you people are just nice. I have never been apologized to more in my life than the... I've been. I was apologized to more on one day in Toronto than in my entire life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Altogether, I will, I will give you that. Hey, welcome to Canada. I'm sorry. You know, it's... So I can see them being like like 1919 Toronto being much more tolerant mm -hmm. than 1919 any city in America. Basically, All, although I must say Quebec. <laughs> well, that's its own animal. Yeah. So it's it's it, they're doing their own their own thing. You Quebecanese, I'm making up a word here. I've had some run-ins. I've it's never Quebecois. Quebecois. Mm -hmm. uh, you Quebecanese. <laughs> just uh, completely just, ignore me. Uh, no. I did say I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you Quebecanese. You really need to calm it. I, I've had, I've never been to Quebec itself, but I've had run-ins with people from Quebec, and the vast majority of them have not been nice to me. It's it's said that there's it, it, and it's that. Um, that francophone type thing, but it's not quite francophone. It's more Quebecophone because they also like they have their own dialect of French. I think it's my last name too. Oh, yeah, that could have something to do with it. Yeah, so I'll throw this out there. My last name is Mort, which, if you put that into a Google Translate, means death. It's such a dramatic last name. Yeah, my Dark uncle. Dark and dramatic. It's yeah. not florid and. Spicy. <laughs> yeah. Not florid and spicy whatsoever. It's dismal. My my, my full name. I'm throwing this out there. My full name is Douglas Scott Mort. Which, whenever you translate it, means the Scottish Dark Sea of Death. <laughs> oh, what the hell? You got fucked, man. <laughs> yeah, I did. I think the worst part of it is the Scottish. But anyway. <laughs> but my, my uncle, during World War II, actually had trouble because whenever... Whenever France was being unoccupied, mm -hmm. the American troops were in there, and this one person had a castle, and he let the American troops stay in the castle, except for my uncle, because oh. of the last name Mort. I think I've actually, I'm wondering if it was the same castle, I saw like a documentary about a castle where they had troops staying during... Oh my god, during World War II. I'm going to have to find that and see if it might... I'm going to really dig. And, and, and I know I saw it on Netflix. I know that much for sure. But yeah, um, I'll but have to see if I can find that because maybe that's the one your uncle was yeah, supposed to be in. My, That'd be crazy. Well, my uncle actually sat and talked with the guy until 5 in the morning. And finally, whenever he realized my uncle was a good person, at that point, he oh. lets him in the castle. It only took 12 hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just like, crazy. I oh know I've been dodging Nazi bullets <laughs> left and right, but this is a pain in the ass. <laughs> See, I don't have any good family stories <laughs> like that. Uh, sucks. It's okay. You, you can... have neat family stories. I wouldn't call the fact that, you know, my... It's uh, interesting. Yeah. Well, it's, we'll not say neat, but neat. it's interesting. Oh, that's almost, neato. You almost died in World War II several times. Neat. Neato. <laughs> So rad. Yeah. <laughs> so. You carried a hatred for the Japanese for years. <laughs> oh god. Neat. Oh, see, you took away the shiny, pretty, and and fun, and you not mm -hmm. no not the World War Two was fun, but you, you took away the the oh, this is a funny story, and then you made it racist. <laughs> I did. I didn't make it racist. It I already think, was. <laughs> I think the Japanese. I think the Japanese are just fine people, but there was a hatred. 
oh, that absolutely. my that my uncle and to a lesser extent there my was father a within the whole United States. I mean, they yeah. were in, in put put into internment camps right. for God's sake. Right. Um, so it's the, like it wasn't even like an isolated event of soldiers coming home. It was also already here. Right. Right. But it, it's a thing where. At the same time, my dad, one of his favorite things to do was watch Godzilla films. So he, there was a certain... Cognitive dissonance strikes again. Well, I think a large portion of that may have been, man, if we can get that lizard into a uniform. Just... <laughs> Look at him smashing Tokyo. All right, so back to Ambrose Small. That was a little fun little side trip. Yep. Um, down Nito Lane. <laughs> So, so yeah, that's pretty much actually, um, they, they closed the case officially in 1960. So it was, it was, he was declared dead in 1923 or 24. And then in 1960, they were like, all right, we're never gonna know. Um, so before we go in to the quick, like, I think, I think we should really finish it off with the ghost story, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just wondering, what is your pet theory? I wrote my pet theory down, but I've, I've kind of altered it in my head. I'm still working on it. I'm kind of wondering, and this is a theory that I came up with my on my own. I didn't see this anywhere. I, I, I've kind of wondered this entire week, did he commit suicide? I had that thought too. Yeah. Because some of his actions, one, one thing that really brought that to mind was one source said that the day that they cashed the check, or put, deposited the check rather, in addition to buying all the things, which... You would do if you bought you. You won the lottery. You get your check. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm gonna go buy all the things. Um, he, uh, I'm gonna put it in a y- low yield savings account. <laughs> you wild woman. <laughs> I know, right? Um, you are things that you also do when you might be about to leave this world of your own accord. And he also uh, found it interesting. One, the one source said he accompanied his wife to. Um, let me see if I can find the actual wording because I'm going to be upset if I'm wrong about the exact wording if I miss the chance for us to say something funny about poor children. I'm kidding. We don't think it's funny. Um, well, she doesn't. <laughs> so, okay, I did not apparently save this. I just need to save all the information. But um, she, he and his wife, uh, the, after they deposited the check, went to, I believe, donate some money to a Catholic orphanage. Which... Really, just the op, not his style at all. So was it just her alone? Did he actually agree to this? Like, well, whatever, I'm not going to be using it anymore, so I don't care. You know, like, but it doesn't seem like, like, why would he commit suicide? Though? Like, what, 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 depression? Okay, yes. But we don't know anything about any sort of mental illness in his history. I think, and this is my pet theory, I think that he's getting tired of the theater business. He sells it. He signs the papers. And he walks out of there and immediately regrets it. He, that was his life. Yeah. That was his life. I mean, yeah, there were the, the ponies and there were the women and mm-hmm. everything, but that really, like, it was his driving force and passion. And yeah. once you reach that ultimate goal of buying the Grand Opera House and then buying other Grand Opera Houses and, yeah, I mean, that's, that, I think that's a possibility. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't, I still feel like there was murder. I feel like, and I do feel like Dodie disappearing that same day yeah there were good reasons behind it but i really feel like him and Teresa had something and it was Teresa had every reason like she she was a a charitable catholic woman and all she's seen 
the entire time that she's been married to him, which at that point was for, I believe, about 17 mm-hmm. years, is him gambling, blowing through money. You know, we probably bought his mistresses all kinds of, of, of shiny baubles, you know. And she knows. You know, she wants this money to go to the Catholic Church, so she has her reasoning. Dodie thinks that he's out of a job, uh, so he has his reasoning, and either together or apart, one, one or the other. Um, I, I think together is the more likely that, you know, like, he, they would have known each other. Yeah. You know, they would have, he, he, Dodie would have been to social events. He would have known Teresa. And I'm not saying affair. I don't think, a, I don't think an affair was her style. Um, you know, she was very devout. But I do think that maybe there was some conspiring there. And I do think it was those two. So I don't see the, the lover aspect of with her, but I, I do see them both having their own particular reasons and coming together. And yeah, I I think I honestly think he committed suicide. Hmm. I think he threw himself off of a bridge someplace, and his body went under the ice. Or maybe there was some sort of an accident. Yeah, maybe it wasn't even that. Maybe it was just slipped and fell. I mean, it's not like they were all about the guardrails and safety mechanisms in 1919. You know, like it could have been a complete accident. And here we are, years later, speculating about suicide and murder. That's all we do is speculate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember there was one point in my life, I, I was I was 16 years old, and I had just recovered from Legionnaire's disease. Oy. Yeah, I had Legionnaire's disease. My mom had been in a car accident and had whiplash. So, And my dad was in the hospital. My mom had actually been following my father in her car, following the ambulance. Oh, my God. And she pulled out at a at a uh, green light and a woman ran the red light and t-boned her so she had whiplash we this was three days later we go down to visit my dad in the hospital uh and he would be that was that was march he'd be dead the next month oh god he would be dead in april oh that's that's okay it's part of my history also it's a horrible month (laughs) yeah it really was really was a bad couple of months um i had i had gotten legionnaires in january Kind of got over it in, in, at the end of February. Mm-hmm. So this was about the middle of March, I suppose. And we're, we're coming home. Uh, we have my father's truck. We're coming home. And the, the truck breaks down. Oh, my God. And mom has whiplash. My lungs are still on fire. It's cold. So I go to my mom. You stay with the truck. I will walk and get help. So I go get help, and we sit in the the garage until 5 a.m. Whenever my mother's brother comes and picks us up, and I get home at 6.30 in the morning, and I look in the mirror, and I have a pimple right there. Mm. And I start, I break down and I cry because yeah. of this pimple. Yeah. Right? Sometimes all it takes is just that one little... Right whisper to send you over the edge it can be it can be shouts and screams pushing you to the edge of that cliff and then all it takes is just a single whisper yeah and i think i honestly believe ambrose regretted immediately that he sold the theater he sold his white whale he's looking at this amount of money which is a huge amount of money but it's a solid amount of money his ability to make more money from the theaters, even though the theaters weren't making as much money, mm-hmm. his source of income is now gone. Mm-hmm. And he goes to the newsstand, and his paper's not there. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's right. That was the he he did. I don't think we actually mentioned he did have an according to the the newspaper stand guy. He had an argument with him because mm-hmm. Small had an argument with him because his the papers were late because of the storm. So that, his, you know he couldn't you know find out what was going on with his ponies. Yeah, and I really think that's okay. what did it. And he went and went. Fuck this! I don't need this life anymore. Done and throws himself off. Plausible. I feel like. The fact that he went around making so many enemies and seemed like not a great guy and people closest to him Mm. probably saw that the most and the most strongly. Um, Those people closest to him, Teresa and Dodie. Mm -hmm. And now there's a whole bunch of money in play. You know, if, if he had died before the sale of the theater, theaters, then that would have been a whole big confusing mess, you know? But once the, you know, like, the, you've got states and probate and all kinds of shit. But once the theater is sold, it's just a chunk of money. And that does go back to something we said in episode two. Lust, loathing, and lucre. Yep, yep. And in this case, it would be all three. Yeah, yeah. His lust, probably for Teresa, I'd say loathing. Mm-hmm. And for um, Dodie, I'd say lucre. Yeah, yeah. There we got we got the trifecta. Yes, we do. If that's true, if you know, or he, or he tripped, or he tripped, <laughs> or he tripped. So, um, as a footnote, uh, there have been many, of course, many, many, many different reports of ghost sightings and sounds and everything that you get when somebody. You have a famous location, the Grand Opera House. You have a famous person, um, uh, Ambrose Small, and a very famous incident, a disappearance. So you, of course, get ghost stories. So the theory, the story here is um, in the 1970s, they were renovating the theater. The Grand Opera House, I can't tell... I still, from my uh, research, and keep on going back and forth between whether he disappeared from the Grand Opera House in London, Ontario, or the Grand Opera House in Toronto. <laughs> so I can't tell you which one it was. I just know that it was a Grand Opera House, and I believe it was the one he disappeared from. Um, they were renovating it in the 70s. A backhoe was tearing down a part of the West Wall where there's a, um, there was a big arch with a hand-painted mural, and this was the, the theater's focal point. Um, the backhoe stalled. And it stalled and it stalled and it stalled. And they could not get it going again. And the engineers eventually determined that it had stopped one brick short of... The, like, they basically uncovered this mm-hmm. by accident, but they were about to smash into it. One brick short of the whole entire uh, archway and mural coming crashing down to the ground. So one brick short, and then they shored up the wall, and the last supporting brick is showcased in a display case at the theater to this day. Uh, but people think that he stopped the bulldozer to keep it from destroying this particular piece of the theater's history. I'm going to so. do my, my Ghost Hunters impression here. Absolutely. Go for it. What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> do you hear that? Do you hear that? <laughs> what was that? What was that? Squeak continues to be freaked yeah. out by you. So sorry about it. She's literally I'm right so behind sorry. him on the couch. Gonna <laughs> You're going to hear me scream. And it's just going to be me running around with a cat latched to my eyeballs. Just... I mean, not to victim blame her, but it's kind of partially her own fault. She keeps on wanting to be around you. She loves men. Mm-hmm. She, she loves men. She will sit with me if I put her into my lap. But if Jackson's around... She ignores me and sits in his lap. Any men that are around, she definitely prefers men. You notice she's not been around me. Yeah. She she's she she just she loves the guys. 
Fair enough. I'm so. going to do one more impression. The Ghost Adventures. Yes. Which is my favorite one. The Zach Bagan. Okay. Yeah, this, whose shirt just keeps getting tighter and tighter with each with each new episode. It's like, fight me! <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, Teddy. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, yeah. Um... <laughs> I think that's pretty much that's pretty much what we got. Yeah, that's that's the disappearance of Ambrose Small, the Canadian theater magnate, and our many theories as to what caused it, which we'll probably never know. I mean, I unless somebody finds that body of that man that um, claimed to be both him and Dodie, but I don't think that's going to be found anytime soon. Let's face it: if you have a major concussion, mm-hmm. a gunshot wound to the neck, have just been hit by a car. Mm-hmm. And your newly severed legs. You probably think you're anybody. Yeah, yeah. Are you Darth Vader? Yes. The fact <laughs> the fact that he was able to come up with the name John Doty. Yeah. They gave him the name, like, Ambrose. They basically showed him a picture yeah. of Small, and he's like, yeah, that's me. Um, but, but and he did Pope. have, like, facial features that were similar. Yeah. yeah. I'm the Pope. Um, but, yeah, the, the, he came up with that name was, was something. Not the most common name, as far as last names are concerned, mm-hmm. but... Not totally out of the realm of possibility that there could have been a John Doty wandering around Des Moines, you know, yeah. or Omaha or wherever. This, so. uh, I, I was surprised at how normal the names were in this I one. I know, right? And the yeah. last one, too, we didn't have too many. We had three fingers in this one. Yeah. And we had uh, Happy Bachelor in the last one. Yeah. I'm just wondering where where the fun names are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jephthah. Where did Jephthah go? I miss Jephthah. Bring Jephthah back. And we were so worried about you, Jephthah. On a quick note, actually, about, I meant to bring this up at the top, but now's a good time. Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention something we had discussed in the H.H. Holmes, the, the body snatching, the, the cadavers to medical uh, schools. And I was actually listening to an episode of Criminal. Uh, it's, it's an excellent podcast. You should listen to it if you haven't. And episode 44, yes, uh, called One-Eyed Joe, uh, which we might have to delve into at some point. But it brought up the body snatching um, that apparently med students kind of did as a rite of passage in the, the, the decade or so around H.H. H. Holmes's big, you know, active time. Um, and they would, you know, basically there just weren't enough cadavers. The laws weren't in place. So there weren't enough cadavers for med students to actually like do dissections. Um, they apparently needed half a corpse apiece, which threw me off because I was like, which... How does I that imagine work? it would be... Yeah, but then one side gets the heart and the other side gets the lungs. Well, These that, are very important things. That that whole thing of the heart being like towards the left side, a little bit of bullshit. Yeah, yeah. But then, yeah, I guess you're right. You yeah. know, it's... you. But still, there's rock, important paper, parts on one liver. side and yeah. important parts on the other side. You rock, paper, scissors for the liver. Yeah. And the, and the stomach. <laughs> so yeah, and they just, they're just weren't enough. So they were to start to go out, and, and especially in the winter months when things would be better preserved, they would steal corpses and bring them back, and, you know, like it was rite of passage, and oh, like, you, you know, their, their teachers would be proud of them for it. You know, you had the, the resourcefulness to go and get yourself a corpse. Uh, but uh, I wanted to note that they actually, um, so it was popular, or not popular, but more the done thing than we think of now. Um, and uh, they were not necessarily called body snatchers, or at least not by themselves. That they called themselves Laura Croft, too. <laughs> no, they were called resurrectionists. Uh, how pleasant! I know, right? Just as, it sounds. It sounds nice. Yeah, it's like no, no you're doing me a favor. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> how Look nice this. of you. Look at this. Your grandpa's fine and mowing the lawn. Aren't you sweet? We embalmed him with ginger ale. It's great. <laughs> it's shake, him up, shake him up and bubbles come out of his nose. <laughs> oh, 
gross. <laughs> On that lovely note. Oh, oh my god. Any big plans for this week, Christy? Um, we're actually doing our Valentine's Day um this weekend. It's March. I know. <laughs> but we want to do like a hotel and hotels are more expensive around Valentine's Day. And we're doing the big trip in June. Yeah. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Scratch that out. <laughs> and I don't want people to know when I'm going to be gone. Even no if, problem. Even if we publish this when I get back. Yeah. yeah. Still better not know. Um, so we're going to be doing the big uh, trip in several months. So we wanted to save a little money. So we're going off to a hotel uh, over the weekend and before uh, school starts up again next week. Are, are Lord, you help going, me. Are you going to our local haunted hotel? Uh-uh. Wait, which hotel is haunted? Uh, the Winber Hotel. Oh, the Winber Hotel. Of course, of course, of course. I don't yeah. feel like... Huh, sorry, Winber. I don't think of you as local. <laughs> it's too far away. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. It's on the other side of the city and then the other town. Yeah. Like, it's it's just... It's, it's And it's also another county. Yeah. And I've lived there and I still don't think it's local. So, so no, we're not going to that. We're going up to uh, to a hotel in Clarion. Right on. So, Which seems farther away than Winber. It is farther away, but well, I'm just saying I don't think of Clarion as local either. <laughs> See, my favorite place to visit, and I haven't had a vacation in a long time, long time. My favorite place to visit is this little town called Oakland, Maryland. Ah. And Oakland is great. They have a ski resort there called the Wisp. I don't even ski, but I, I, lo- I love the mountains. They're beautiful. What I like going to is there is a waterfall Mm. there called Swallow Falls. And it's actually a series of four waterfalls. That sounds lovely. And it is absolutely gorgeous. And then hike up about four miles from the waterfall, or you can drive there. They actually have a beach. Hmm. And it's on the side of this lake. It's called Harrington State Manor. And that's always great for like a little staycation. It's like a two-hour drive. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. I need to go there. Yeah, check it out. Swallow yeah. Falls. What are you doing this weekend? This weekend I'm working. Okay. Yeah, this is actually the last day of my weekend. We record on Thursday night, so I get Wednesdays and Thursdays off, but I teach my drum lessons on Wednesdays and Thursdays, and I record podcasts mm-hmm. both nights. So it's, I just don't get days off. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be, I'm trying to, going to try and finish my research for my Sunday recording of my other podcast um, before we leave, so I won't have to worry about that. And plus we're bringing in two new guest stars, so like I want to get them the info as soon as possible so they have time to think it over and study. Honestly, I would love to be able to quit my other job, just do podcasting full time. Mm -hmm. This, that's, that's the dream. I mean, I like teaching, but I don't like writing papers is basically what it boils down to. So I like the people where I'm at, but I don't like the people that I work with. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, that's, that's the dream. But in the meantime, we don't have our Grand Opera house. I'm still wanting to call it the Grand Opera Hotel and that's fine. That's Okay. It's, there's still plenty of time. We're making steps to get there. Yes. And maybe one day somebody will do a, a wonderful podcast about the time Scott and Christy disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm going to leave the ending to you this time. I feel like you've got something. Uh, I, I just want to say, get off your ass, do something, become a, t- become a statistic is what I'm saying. Drop the hentai. Drop the hentai. <laughs> That's been old timey crimey. I'm Scott. That sounded really annoying. I'm gonna say it a different way. Go ahead. That's been old timey crimey. No, still annoying. Oh man. <laughs> That's been old timey crimey. There you go. There we go. <laughs> Leave it all in. It's funny. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Have a good week, everyone. Bye.